So as Jean has already said the past uh, couple weeks, it is just really good to have people in here again. Um, this is way better than speaking to a uh, empty room and um, trying not to make awkward eye contact with the like two people that were in here, um, which I probably did the entire time. So this is way better. Uh, thank you guys for being here today. I can't wait until we can comfortably get back to having everyone again and Children's Church and all those things. It's going to be awesome when we get to do that. But God definitely has a plan and a purpose for the time that we're going through right now. And um, kind of ties in with what I want to talk about today. Of course, what we're going to talk about today can apply to everyone. But um, I think I can safely say most of us in here um, are Christians, have been Christians, have been walking with God for some time. And uh, this is more, um, I guess, for us of fighting off complacency, fighting off getting comfortable, fighting off um, uh, having your prayers answered and now what? Um, so our scripture today is coming out of Joshua chapter 23 and it's verse 11. Um, if you have time over the next day or two, two I would recommend that you read this whole chapter. Um, it's a really cool speech that Joshua gave the children of Israel right before he passed away. And the passage that we're kind of going off of today is just basically the entire speech summed up in like one thing. Joshua says, so diligently watch yourselves, love the Lord your God. And the whole speech kind of revolves around that. So diligently watch yourself, love the Lord your God. And you have to keep in mind who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the children of Israel that, you know, their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents, they came out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt through a bunch of plagues and a bunch of miracles and a bunch of signs, and they saw God walk in power. They saw God move in power. They saw all of these things, and even if the ones that were currently with Joshua did not see those things. They saw things that were just as incredible. They saw God hand their enemies over to them. They saw God give them this promised land that made no sense that they were able to go in and capture and go in and take this place. They saw God do incredible things. And they heard stories from the older people that would pass down these stories about the parting of the, the, the Red Sea or the plagues on Egypt or all of these things, you know, following God as a, you know, fire at night and a cloud during the day, um, being thirsty and seeing water literally flow from a rock. They saw all of these things and they got to experience these things. So this is the people that Joshua was talking to, not people that have just come to God, people that have walked with God. People that have seen God move and do incredible things. And that's kind of who I'm talking to today as well. Um, some of my 
background that some of you guys know as well. A lot of like playing in different bands and like touring and stuff. Um, there's some of the people that I used to know whenever we would tour and whenever we would go out and play and we would go out and we would see God do these awesome things. I think of one night in particular, we saw a guy with a broken leg and we prayed over him and the leg was healed and he was able to get up and put pressure on it and, you know, he was fine. Two out of the five people that were a part of that prayer that night are self-proclaimed atheists now. They saw God do this. They saw God heal this broken leg and this man just stand up and walk away and they can still tell me that there is no God. They can still tell me that they, you know, that that was a trick. That was him just thinking he was healed and just getting up and acting on it. It doesn't work that way. Um, so this is for us that sometimes can see God do incredible things and we get comfortable. We maybe don't completely walk out on God. We maybe don't completely stop believing in God. But maybe we stop that that passion that we once had, or we stop that you know that fire that we had, and we get comfortable. We uh, we think that you know maybe our time of like walking in power is over. As the children of Israel, you know, we're going to talk about them this whole time. You know, we've gone through all of this, and we are now in our promise, so we don't have to fight anymore. We don't have anything else that we have to do. Because we're now in our promise, so we have nothing else to fight for. We have nothing else to walk towards. And that is a complete lie from the enemy. As long as you are on this earth and you have air in your lungs, then you have a purpose. You still have something to strive for. You still have something to move forward for. So this this speech, I can tell, I can just like see it in my head. Joshua's up there just like screaming like, guys. We've come this far. Don't lose ground. Do not lose ground now. We have come this far. You have seen God do all of these things. I know I'm not going to be here much longer, but in my absence, please do not lose ground. Do not start sliding backwards. Keep moving forwards. Now is not the time to get comfortable. We may be in the promise. We may be in our home, but now is not the time to get comfortable. Um, Joshua 23 Verses 14 and 15, still part of that speech. Joshua says, And now I am about to go the way of all of the earth. And you know in your hearts and your souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord, your God, promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, catch this part, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from this good land that the Lord, your God, has given you. The same thing Job said, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Just because God has given you something, just because God has fulfilled his promise to you, does not mean that he will let you stay in it if you are walking out of the will of God. That promise is for you when you are walking in the will of God. Um, And I really caught uh, at the beginning of this passage, Joshua said, 
and you know in your hearts and your souls. Why do you think he said that you know in your hearts and, and your souls? Because there were a lot of people that he was speaking to that day that didn't think that. He said, come on, you know this. You've seen this. You've encountered this. God has been right beside you. God has not let you down. But I have heard your thoughts. I have heard the words that you speak and the thoughts that you have about wanting to turn to other gods, about wanting to learn from these other cultures, about wanting to do all of these things. I have heard these thoughts, and I know that you have these thoughts. But come on, get back to what you know in your heart. You know that God has been with you the entire time, and now is not the time to turn your back. The way that I see this, and I know I don't have kids and I have no reason to speak on having kids, but I know for people that want to be good parents, if you knew that your time was almost up, you would want to beg your children, remember the things that I taught you. Remember the things that I taught you. Do not turn from those things. You know, be a good husband, be a good partner, be a good spouse, be a good, you know, all of these things that a good parent would teach their children, you would want them to remember that and you would want them to keep walking in that. This is what I see in this whole chapter is just Joshua pleading with the children of Israel to just do not forget what we've been through and do not forget that it was God that brought us here. And I can say that to all of us here today at the church. Maybe we don't have something as huge as, you know, coming out of Egypt and all the really crazy things they had to go through. But remember the things that God has promised us. We have talked about these things so much, and we know the plan that God has for us here is so much bigger than what we see right now. Now is not the time to get complacent. Now is not the time to lose hope. Now is the time to keep pressing forward stronger than ever. So i got three points for how to keep fighting, how to keep that attitude. Number one is one of the biggest ones for me personally. God is still God regardless of our circumstance. Yes. Our circumstance has nothing to do with him being God. And our circumstance has nothing to do with him being good. Right. The first question that I would ask for us, and um, this is one I had to think about too this week, is what do we define as good and evil? Because, and I'm speaking from a lot of like personal things here too. Do we define good and evil the way that scripture does? Or are we influenced by culture, by what we see on TV, by social media, by any of these things, by tradition, by the things that we've always known, by the things that our parents did or our grandparents did? Excuse me. Do we define good and evil by those things? Or do we, do we define good and evil the way that God does in his word. Because that, as Pastor Gene says all the time, that is the only standard that we have. Just because it's the way grandma and grandpa used to do it, maybe they did it wrong. And I'm not saying that's for everyone, but I'm saying we have to compare these things to the scripture. We we can't compare these things to the way that we grew up or the things that we know. We have to compare these things to scripture when we compare good and evil. And... Um, are, are there things that are holding us back from seeing God as a good God? Because sometimes we have to go through our personal things and the biggest thing, no matter 
the age of the group that you talk to or the size of the group that you talk to, there is at least probably half the people in that that cannot view God as a good God because they had a bad relationship with their father. And if that is the case, if you are equating God to the relationship that you had with your dad, I would love to talk with you more. I would love to help walk you through how to be healed from that, how to forgive your dad, and how to let God heal that past hurt. So if that's the part that you get caught on on this, I would love to talk with you. Um, And then a lot of us have a problem with God, and I see this in a lot of uh, middle-aged to younger people, is we have a problem with God because we have a problem with authority. We have a rebellion towards authority. Now I'm talking godly authority. Like, obviously, if we're being told to do something that contradicts God's word, we should rebel. But I'm talking about just people that have a problem with being corrected. People that have a problem with being told, hey, maybe what you're doing isn't the best thing, or maybe the way you're going about things isn't right. There's a lot of people that immediately shut down when they have a bit of correction or, um, you know, when it's from the Holy Spirit, it's conviction. But there's a lot of times that we still turn from that. We don't like to feel like what we're doing in our life is wrong. We want to be able to do the things that we want to do when we want to do them. And that helps, that hurts us from seeing God as a good God whenever there's things that his word clearly prohibits us from taking part in. And we're like, but those things are fun and I want to do those things. We, we kind of, in that sense, we view God as like a strict parent or like someone that doesn't want us to have fun or they're keeping us from being us. We have to let go of that. We have to realize God is way smarter than we are. And if he says something is not good for us, you should take him at his word that something is not good for us. He doesn't keep things from us to keep us from having joy. He keeps things from us to keep us in line with him and his word and to keep us healthy and safe to walk and go where he wants us to go. Um, As was preached about this past week, our calling has a lot to do with our health. And we can't do the things that God wants us to do if we can't physically do them. So for God to like say, hey, you know, maybe don't eat McDonald's every day. He's not trying to keep you from something. Uh, yeah, Gene, that's for us. Um, he's not trying to keep you from uh, something that's, you know, but I'm just trying to eat cheap. I'm trying to save money and it tastes good. He's trying to keep you healthy. He's trying to say, hey, like your body is the temple. You know, all the stuff we talked about this past week. God is not out to steal your joy. God is out to give you a good life and a long life. <laughs> um we have to learn to take scripture at its word and to learn that God is way smarter than we are. Um, in, I think I'm pronouncing this right, in Nahum, Nahum, one of those minor prophets. Um, 1 verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. What does a stronghold in the day of trouble imply? That there will be days of trouble, right? A stronghold in the day of 
of trouble, implying that there will be struggle in the Christian walk. And we have to realize that God wants us to use those days just as much as he wants us to use the days when we feel like it. Just as much as he wants us to use those those days like today where we, you know, I got up today and I knew I was going to be here doing this. But t- tomorrow, if I have the opportunity to pray with someone or to give someone an encouraging word, I shouldn't back down from that just because it wasn't part of my plan or because maybe I don't feel like doing it. God wants us to be useful for the kingdom every day, not just when we feel like it. And that's one of the biggest hindrances in the Christian walk is we spend way too much time operating out of our feelings. Um, There's a quote out of Bethel, I believe, that they said, emotions make great servants but terrible masters, which is very, very accurate. God gave us those for a good purpose, you know. But when we react out of those and we handle everyday life out of the way we feel instead of what we know is true, it's not what we're called to do. It's not who we're called to be. Um, And uh, the first scripture that I thought of that had to do with uh, children of Israel and the whole getting water out of the, the rock thing, the second time that Moses was going to get water out of the rock, God asked him to speak to it. What did he do? He hit it. And I heard someone talking about that the other day, and this is just a really cool side note because I like hearing these random things, so maybe at least two of you in here will enjoy hearing this as well. Um, someone was talking about this, this passage, and uh, um, they said, why did God ask Moses to speak to the rock? What is the one thing Moses told God that he was uncomfortable doing? Speaking. Speaking. God was getting Moses to step out of his comfort zone even more, but instead Moses chose to hit the rock with a stick. So, it's one way to go about it. Um, It's our choice to take refuge in God. God is not going to force us to do that, but we have to understand, just as the children of Israel did, when we are walking outside of God's will and God's plan for our lives, we have to also know that we are walking outside of God's protection. God's protection for us is with his will for our life. And God will, with the power of the Holy Spirit, he will continue to give you conviction and be like, hey, the way that you're going is not the way that I have for you. But back to what I was talking about earlier, if you eat junk food your whole life and you die of a heart attack, you know, 45 years old, God didn't do that to you. You did that. Um, and as far as like, you know, being our choice to do what God tells us to do or what God calls us to do, but God wanting us to use every day to walk with his purpose. And this was an honest question for me too. So for those of you who do take notes or try to think over things, 
um, ask yourself this question throughout the next week. Uh, how many times do you let God control your day or do you just try to sprinkle God into what you're already doing? Because that's one of the biggest things that I try to think about all the time is like, do I truly go where God wants me to go or do I try to drag God where I want to go and just put a little Christian tagline on it? Um, back when I was touring more uh, in like 2012 or 2013, I think it was 2012 and 2013, there was this big concert in Virginia Beach and um, we planned to tour our way up to it, play the show, and then tour our way back to it. And we played mostly shows that were not Christian concerts. Excuse me. Just because they were a great way to have outreach, they were a great way to you know interact with people that weren't Christians and really get to talk with people. And uh, so that was not the problem, but <clears throat> we didn't really feel peace about going to play this show. We did not have the peace of going to play. And when I say we didn't have the peace, I don't mean that whenever you're called to do something, if if things get hard, that means God's closing the door because that's not the case. Sometimes things are going to be hard to do and you have to persevere and you have to keep going just because there's an obstacle in your way does not mean God is telling you not to do the thing. So don't take that from what I'm telling you. But we didn't have the peace that we were supposed to go and play this show, but we were very stubborn. So we were like, now nah, we'll just go anyway. Um, so we were touring our way up there, and it was like a four-day tour up, and then on the fifth day, we were going to play that show and then drive back. And on the third day up, our vehicle completely broke down, and we had to cancel the next two nights, and we couldn't go up there and play and then 2013 came around. They did the exact same concert in Virginia Beach again. They're like, you guys want to come play? Yeah, sure. We'll be up there. Same thing happened. We kept trying to do this thing that we had no peace for, that we obviously knew that we were not supposed to do, and it just kept not working out because, you know, there was something there that God was trying to keep us from. I don't know what it was, and to this day, I don't have the answer to why that was, but I know that that, that that all of us not having that peace was straight from the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you know, we should have listened. We should have obeyed and knew that God wasn't trying to keep us from something cool. God was trying to protect us. God was trying to, you know... Once again, I don't have all the answers for why that happened, but I know that was from God. Um, and it's the exact same thing. Have you ever been interested in somebody or tried to hang out with a group of people that you could tell were clearly not good for you? That you could tell that you were not supposed to put your time into, that you were not supposed to pursue this person, that you were not supposed to spend time in investing your life in letting these people influence you that you were not supposed to be doing that but you choose to do it anyway and then when it ends poorly and when you know certain circumstances when you have a broken heart or you've been hurt by this group of people you know that's not God's fault 
fault that that happened. So our view of God should not change in those circumstances. What we should do is draw closer to the Holy Spirit so we know how to keep ourselves out of those circumstances. So we know how to hear it when he tells us, this is not what I have for you. This is not what I have planned for you. But I promise I have something so much better planned for you. That's what we need to pursue is to draw closer to the Holy Spirit. Um, we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, <clears throat> Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we like to quote Paul in Philippians 4.13, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is such a powerful verse. It's such a great verse. <clears throat> But all the passages before that just talk about all of these really bad things that have happened to Paul. Paul talks about how he's learned to go hungry or to be full. He's learned to be homeless or have a place to sleep. He's learned to have clothes. He's learned to not have clothes. He's learned all of these things. But he's confident in Christ that he can get through all things. And then to give thanks in all circumstances. We don't really focus a lot on that part of that passage in just understanding that our view of God should not change based on our circumstance. If we find our, ourselves at the lowest point in our entire life, God is just as good as he was on the best day of your life. And that is the attitude that we have to have and we have to be willing to learn from things. We have to be willing to grow and understand, you know, sometimes things are no one's fault. Sometimes things are other people's fault. A lot of times things are our own fault. And we have to understand, like, what happened to get us here? How could this have been prevented? What was God trying to speak to me six months ago when this whole thing started? We have to learn from these things or we're going to keep repeating the same mistake. But the biggest thing that we have to know is God is still God regardless of the circumstance that we are in. Yeah. Point two, do not forget God in the good times. And this is a big uh, way to just check on your own prayer life. <clears throat> when do you find yourself praying the most? When things are going good? When things are going bad or kind of in the in-between stage. Um, for most of my Christian walk, I had the best prayer life in the world when things were going terrible. And that was basically it. Things would be fine, go about my day-to-day -day life, not really think about praying, not really do it at all. But the second things started going wrong, it was like it was a habit to just start praying. And then... It's kind of cliche now, and a lot of people teach on this, but it's like, it just hit me where I was like, man, I'm that guy that only calls when you need something. No one likes that friend. Like, it's not good to be that person. And um, just understanding that, like, prayer is a two-way conversation that God wants to have with us daily, not just when things are going good or when things are going bad. Um and that God wants to give you good things and God wants to spend time with you personally 
and God wants for you to know him on a personal level. I think a, a lot of times as Christians, and it's so easy to do, we treat prayer as we just tell God all the things troubling us and all the things that we think would work to help it. And then metaphorically speaking, we hang up the phone. We give him no time to answer, give him no time to respond. We don't actually spend quiet time with God. We barely spend time in his word to understand his characters, to understand who he is and what he's trying to tell us. Um, One of my favorite books of the Bible is Hosea, just because of just the beautiful picture of God's love for us. The beautiful picture of like how far he would go to bring us back to him over and over again. And one of my favorite passages in Hosea is chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. And uh, this has stuck with me for years. I just love the way this is. It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. But when they had grazed, they become full. They were filled and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. We can clearly see here. It was I who knew you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. I see from this picture and these words that when they were in the land of drought, they cried out to God. They cried out, save us. We have nothing. There's no water. There's no food. Save us. And their prayer was answered. When they had grazed, they became full. They were filled and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. How many times do we pray to God to restore a broken relationship to, um, you know, we don't have the money in the bank to pay the power bill or whatever you pray for and God answers that prayer and then that's the extent of your prayer life. You only pray when you need something and then when the prayer is answered, you forget about them until the next time you need something else. You see it in those like comedies all the time where the little kid gets in trouble and he's just like, God, I promise if you get me out of this one, I will never do it again. I will never do it again. And then he gets out and he's just like, maybe next time. Um, and I think that's what a lot of us do in our Christian walk is most of our prayer life is spent begging and pleading with God because we don't know him on a personal level. We just know him as a a quick fix to get out of the trouble that we got in. And um, when that is what your prayer life is, and I've definitely been there, that's a really heartbreaking place to be because God is offering you so much more. God is offering you his presence daily, not just when you need it or when you think you want it, God is offering you these things daily, um, which is why it's so important to seek God on a daily basis. Um, I put in my notes as a uh, question, so something else to think about is, do we really even know God or do we just treat salvation as access to a way to get out of our troubles and then doubt God's existence when it seems like we're just praying to the ceiling. And that one definitely hit me hard even as I was writing that in there. I think a lot of times we feel 
like our prayers aren't being heard or that we're just talking to the wall. And we have to know that it's also up to us to maintain that connection with God. We have to know that it is, like I already said, a two-way conversation. And we have to put in the effort to maintain that connection with God. Um, so I urge you guys just to seek Him daily. Proverbs 28.9 says, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. It's kind of a harsh word for Scripture to think that if you're not walking right with God, and if you're not attempting, everybody's going to screw up, but if you're not attempting to follow His word, to follow His guidelines, to follow the things that He wants you to be, if you're not attempting to do those things, it says your prayer, even your prayer is an abomination. We have to be open to correction from the Holy Spirit. We have to be open for God to let us know like where we need strength in these things, where we need building up. It is never the goal of God to tear us down. He always wants something better for us, but sometimes for us that's going to be painful because it's going to be removing other things. Um, if it feels that your prayers are falling on deaf ears, it's time to you know, look at yourself spiritually and figure out where you stand spiritually. And uh, some of my friends do a monthly spiritual checklist. And I always thought that was cool. Just kind of making sure that you know what you're doing every month. Like, okay, have I been spending time with God? Have I been praying? Have I been, you know, reading scripture? If uh, journaling is something that you do to spend time with God, like, have you been active in journaling? Whatever it is, it's just reminding yourself that these day-to-day things are very important. Um, We have to understand that God is a jealous God and He wants our attention. He wants our time and He wants our adoration. He wants our worship and more importantly that He deserves all of it. Not just when things are going good, but when we feel like we're in a storm as well. God is still God and God is still good no matter what is going on in our lives. And when things are going good in our lives, that is the worst time that we could possibly forget God's presence. Because as Joshua's speech was talking about, he was saying, do not forget how quickly all of this can be taken from you. If you do not stand firm in your faith, which is the third point, standing firm in your faith. If you do not stand firm in the faith and keep your guard up, And as Joshua said, watch yourselves. Diligently watch yourselves. All of this can be taken from you in the blink of an eye. So point three is standing firm in your faith. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And I think it's so important here that we see the words be watchful because we all know If you are useful in the kingdom of God, the enemy is going to attack you. I know it's kind of a harsh truth, but one of the things that I believe is if you are under no spiritual attack, it's because you're not a threat to the enemy. Um, So that's why I think Paul talks a lot about like even the uh, apostles and the other 
disciples, they praised God that they were counted worthy to face the same persecution that Christ did. Because it meant they were moving the kingdom forward, that they were advancing the kingdom. So to have a spiritual attack, praise God, I think that's awesome. That means you're scared of the devil, and I love every bit of it. But we have to stand firm so we know how to handle that. We have to stand firm so that attack does not take us under. Like I talked about at the beginning of this, I have seen too many spiritual attacks turn what were once powerful men of God into self-proclaimed atheists because they got comfortable in their walk. They think they understood scripture to the extent that they needed to, so they stopped reading their Bible. They thought they were, you know, living a pretty good life and they stopped praying as much because they got comfortable in their life. And when the spiritual attack came, it destroyed them. It destroyed what faith they had because they were not standing firm in the faith. Um, And one of the biggest things that we talk about here and one of the biggest things that scripture constantly talks about is we cannot stand firm in the faith by ourselves. That was another one of the biggest problems when we were playing, when we were in that group and we would go out and tour and we would play, it would be like five of us all of the time. We were constantly with each other and we could pray with each other. We could build each other up. But when we stopped touring and we each moved into different chapters and we were kind of doing things on our own, we weren't as close. And so it was kind of easy to see like who was building their own faith and who was going off of other people's faith. We're not called to stand firm alone. We're called to do it as the body. We're called to do it as the church. And I know anybody in here, I can say you always have people that you can call on. If you are listening to this online and you don't know a single person in here, there are people in here that you can call on. There are people in here that you can talk to. We would love to get to know you and we would love to help you through whatever it is that you're going through because we need uh, we need others to stand firm with. We cannot do it on our own. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Under trial, once again, confirms that there will be trial. There will be strife. Even as a believer, you are called to be hopeful and to show something different during these times. It goes back to the entire Spread Hope series that we just did. There are going to be reasons, there are going to be circumstances that make you feel hopeless because everyone else is hopeless. But as children of God, we know, as one of my favorite worship songs currently says, like we see the fight from the victory. We know no matter what's going on on this earth, we know the victory. We know Jesus already got the victory. So everything that we're going through, we are seeing it from the victory. So we are called to spread that hope to whatever is going on. So people need to see something different whenever we're in these storms or whenever we're going through things that might not be good. Ephesians 4.14 says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the, the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And this is referring to like 
our teaching model that we have here is our goal is to provide you with teaching, preaching, prophecy, and real life ex- examples of walking out what this looks like and what it is to walk in power. Once we experience God, we have the choice to say that we want that for us or we have the choice to say that we want nothing to do with it. But in the Christian walk, as Gene says all the time, you're either going forward or you're going backward. There is no neutral. So our goal here is not to, as I think the atmosphere is created in certain churches, is not to do all the hard work for you. It's to empower you to be able to go out and do the will of God. To empower you to be able to go out of here and to walk in power. And that is really the big goal here is that us up on the platform or us doing any job in the church, it's not just our job to stay steadfast or to diligently watch us. Like, we can't do this without you. This church cannot go forward if everyone is not doing their parts. So that's why Joshua was pleading with the children of Israel and he was talking to everybody. He wasn't just talking to the core leaders or the core group. He was talking to everybody because he knows it's not going to go forward if everyone is not going the same direction. You can meet with your core leaders and stuff all day, but if you can't bring the people with you, it's not going to work. So that's why Joshua was pleading Hey, we've come too far. We cannot turn back now. We have to keep going forward. And just because we are in the promised land, just because we are in the church, just because things are starting to open back up, maybe, and um, we're starting to be able to get some people back in here, just because these things are happening does not mean that now is the time that we let our guard down. We have to keep our guard up. We have to keep watching ourselves. We have to keep spending time with God. We have to keep worshiping. We have to keep soaking in His presence in order to be able to walk in the will of God, to be able to walk in the protection of God, to be able to walk in what God has for us. Um, And I know that at the end of the day, if uh, Andy and whoever else is playing wants to go ahead and come back up, I know at at the end of the day, and... uh, what I want us all to kind of think about as we close this is no matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening, our goal should be to hear these words or to be able to say these words. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I think as Christians, we should all strive to be able to say those words. Not, I have fought the good fight. I started the race, got bored halfway through it, and just sat there until everyone else finished the race. And then, you know, we all met up afterwards. No, no. God is wanting us to all be moving forward. And we can't move forward as a church or as the body unless everybody is moving forward. So if you need prayer today, if any of this spoke to you personally, I know through prepping this, a lot of it spoke to me personally about really, really, really making that time to spend with God. No matter what we think, we're not too busy. We're not too busy to spend time with God. And if we are, something has to go. Something has to be removed from our life if we find ourselves too busy to spend time with God. So... 
as Joshua said in Joshua chapter 23, if I can encourage you, because this really is a word of encouragement, diligently watch yourselves. Watch what's going in. Watch what's coming out. Watch yourselves. Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for who you've called us to be and um, just how great you are and how great the plans you have for us are. And I thank you for everyone here and everyone joining online. And uh, just thank you for the purposes that you've given them and the plans that you've given them. I pray for open hearts to just know how, how unique your callings are and how fun your callings are.